Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Good. We have one good, so at least Mike and I are good. Excellent. How are y'all doing this morning? Magnificent. I'll take all the adverbs. Is that an adverb? Adjectives? Sorry. I don't know words. So that's right. I was a PE teacher before ministry, so take it easy on me. So good morning. Thank y'all for being here. The fact that you're here means you're not like my wife who's homesick, and so I'm thankful for that. So if nothing else, at least we're alive and well. And I know we say that jokingly, but man, that is a gift from God, right? That we wake up every day. Scripture reminds us that every day is a gift for Him, and that we get to rejoice in that. And there's so many reasons not for us not to rejoice. There's so many things that, whether it's sickness or whether it's stress at work or whether it's, you know, being a teenager or whatever it is, there's so many reasons um, for us to be distracted and, be, and to be discouraged. So genuinely, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Um, like I said, I, my, my crew, we've, this week has been super strange for us as we have been sick. Uh, two out of the five of us got hit with the flu, my wife and then uh, our middle son, Keller. And so we quarantined them off. And just so you know how bad it was, uh, I went to the pharmacy five times this week for prescription. And the fifth time that I went, the guy at the pharmacy knew me by name. And so I was like, hello, Mr. Tolman. He started looking me up in the system to see what I was picking up. Because we, you know, they ended up just giving us all the Tamiflu. So, and then I read online about some, there's some super virus out of China. I mean, it's crazy, you know. So I'm thankful to be here. If, you've, if you're new here this morning, I just want to say again, welcome to Vessel Collective Church. Thank you for coming, and thank you for joining us this morning. You have a million places to be on a Sunday morning. The fact that you came and joined us for worship uh, and opened up God's Word is really encouraging. So thank you for being here. If you would, fill out. We have these little guest cards on the seat that you're sitting on or maybe the one next to you, it looks like this. So if you would and your guests, just fill this out and we'll send you an email this week and say thank you for coming. And the back is prayer. So if you need prayer for something, I encourage you to take advantage of that. We have a team, we have a prayer team that spends time every week praying over each and every one of these requests. And so even if it's like me, uh, you know, and just, I know it's silly, but praying for the sickness out of our home. Um, Unity Bible, that's upstairs. Uh, it's a, it's a, ministry that we partner with, the church that meets upstairs. It's a Spanish-speaking church, and they had one of their members pass away this week, and so they're having a memorial service this morning, and so just be praying for them as well. So um, as we get in, we've, we've been talking as we've kicked off the new year about this idea of flourish, and so especially if you're new, it's a great, this is a great way for you to kind of catch the vision of what the Lord's doing here. As we've, we've coming into 2020, we really felt like God was calling us as a church to flourish. And not just, uh, and there's no agenda there. That's one thing I've been trying to remind myself and remind us of is we, we don't have any agenda of what that looks like, but really feeling that that's what God has called us to do. And so we talked the first week out of Psalm 92 and talked about the idea and this, this vision of flourish and what it looks like and what God wants to do with that. 
Um, the second week of January, we had our missions team that was here, and we had a missionary, uh, Hannah Lee, and we prayed over her and did a commissioning service for her and sent her out uh, to ministry in Jordan. And so as of today, she is she left on the 20th, and she's doing ministry and giving her life to Christ uh, to go be a missionary in Jordan. So continue to pray for her. And then last week, we talked about... Um, I was here last week. We talked about Ezekiel chapter 47. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, and it's this beautiful image of this river that flows towards the Dead Sea, and just the flourishing that happens there. And we talked about our faith and how God wants to flourish our faith and grow our faith. And so as, we were, as I was preparing to come into this week, really praying about what that was that the Lord had for us, uh, I landed on this Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, if you raise your hand, our guest services team can bring you a Bible. And I'd love for you to read along with this. And so I'll give you a little bit, and I'm going to share something, uh, just something that I've been feeling. As I landed on this scripture and started praying through this verse, um, I confess that I felt timid about it because as much as I loved last week, last week uh, Ezekiel 47 was just this beautiful image. And, you know, it's easy to stand here and say, man, God loves you. He wants to grow you. He wants to pour out into your life. He wants to deepen your faith. He's giving you these opportunities. He wants you to flourish. I read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and uh, it's, it's scripture that it steps on toes, if you know what I mean. It's scripture that, that pushes on you, uh, that pushed on me. Um, and so, in all transparency and authenticity, I, I had some timidness about that this week, about just the way, if, if, if last week was this very, um, this beautiful image, this week is much, more, uh, is much more specific about a body of Christ. And if you know anything about the church in Corinth, um, that they've got a lot of issues going on. And so if I'm ever struggling with, man, like a vessel, we've got issues, or, you know, we're not the perfect church, or, you know, this went wrong, or this happened, or whatever it is, um, I can read about the, uh, about the church in Corinth, because if we have issues, they have major issues, which I find comfort in. And so uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And before we begin, if you're ever interested I'm going to pray, but before we jump in, if you're ever interested in Acts chapter 18, is uh, you can read about how Paul traveled to Corinth and how the church started there. And the church in Corinth is, is in a lot of ways similar to Austin and the area that we live in. We live in the Bible Belt, right? But Austin is in a lot of ways this black hole of the Bible Belt. So if you're new to Austin, you've moved here recently, it's, it's a strange dichotomy of what it looks like to be a Christian. And if you know me at all, I love that. Is I, in my, I, my heart of hearts, I'm an evangelist, and so I genuinely love people that, are, that don't know Jesus, and so I love that, as I think I would struggle if I was in uh, a more Bible-belty type of place, but Austin is perfect for me. But uh, the church in Corinth is very similar. It's this up-and-coming city, it's this ancient city, and they've got a lot of, it, it's educated, there's money there, and it's, it's, it's got a lot of similarities to Austin. So Paul goes in, in Acts chapter 18, and I'm going to read this, uh, just this little verse out of Acts 18, then I'm going to pray. And this is more for me than even for y'all. As I said, the, I believe that this scripture is going to press on us this morning and push us is that, that Paul does not mix words when he's talking to the church in Corinth. And I have some timidness about that. And so uh, 
In Acts chapter 18, when Paul goes to Corinth, um, he's struggling with some of, the, some of these same things. Paul's scared and timid and fearful. And I read about this and then I feel foolish because right here it's just my flesh. And Paul's up against persecution uh, and he's putting his life on the line. And there's no part of what I'm doing or what we're doing as being a Christian in Round Rock, Texas that, that even equates to that. But in verse 9 in chapter 18, Uh, of Acts, it says this, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack or harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Let me pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this morning, uh, God, that we can come together Jesus, you know what we've been walking through this week. You know the journey that every one of us has been on, uh, whether it's sickness or whether it's stress or whether it's a really easy and uh, nice week, whatever it looks like. But, but Lord, we thank you that you call us together. You bring us together. Lord, I pray for your spirit this morning as we open your word and, and, and read your truth, God. I pray for your spirit to flow out. Uh, and Lord, would you speak to every one of us in our hearts and where we are. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, Paul is writing this letter to this church that he spent a year and a half with. So for 18 months, he was with, he planted this church, he started this church, he rose up leaders, and he went on. Paul was a true church planter as he went from city to city, helping plant churches, helping them get established, uh, raising them up, which is very similar to what we've done here, right? We are part of Austin Christian Fellowship. They planted us out and we, as we've been raised up as a church. And so he's writing a letter to this church in Corinth. Uh, and and in, in chapter 3, he's talking a lot about church division, okay? And so already we're good, right? We've got no division in this room. And so as I read this, I think, okay, good. I'm glad we don't have that because the church in Corinth does. And they've got this division and it's silly stuff. And it's uh, Paul was there and helped planted this church and then he left to go start another church and he left, uh, Apollos was in charge and Apollos was there and there's a division within the church and they're bickering about whether they're following Paul or whether they're following Apollos. And we can uh, understand how silly that, that idea is. But in chapter, in, in chapter three, Paul writes this. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting as mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not merely human beings? Verse 5, what after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Uh, The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are God's co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. 
but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid, which is in Jesus Christ. And so Paul begins this, this, this portion of Scripture, this letter to the church in Corinth, addressing something that's uh, a, a problem within the church. And you may be thinking, if you've been here the first three weeks of the year, you may be thinking, what does this have to do with flourishing? This doesn't feel like flourishing at all. And really how I land on the Scripture is this idea, is that he's talking about Paul and Apollos. He says, one, wa- one plants, one waters, but only the Lord can make it grow. And then he says this line here where he says that, uh, that we have one purpose and they'll each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are God's co-workers. We are co-workers in God's service. And so what I want us to think about this morning in the context of flourishing as a church is I want you to know that you and I, every single person in this room, or let me make a correction. If you call this church your home or wherever you call home for your church, is that we are co-laborers with the Lord for this body. And we have to believe, it's important that we believe that God has brought us here. Every one of us is not here just because we got online and Googled or found a church or someone invited us. We like the music, we like the teaching, it's laid back, it's close to our house, whatever those things are. But truly the Lord has brought us here. And I believe that the Lord works in really detailed and specific ways. One of my this, the saying that I really hate is the saying that the devil's in the details. I hate that. That is not true. The Lord is in the details. And it's amazing how he calls and brings us together. And we can sit here in this room and we can look around this place and we can think about the relationships that have been birthed because the Lord placed us here. And it's amazing the people that I now know, the people that I now call brother and sister, that a year or two years or three years or two weeks ago that I didn't know. And so um, Paul is addressing that in the church. And I want you to know that this is where we're called. And if God wants, it's not if God wants, God wants vessel to grow and that he wants us to flourish. And he is calling us to be co-laborers in that. And so out of this scripture, I'm just going to point out a few things uh, that I think are really important for us to understand when we think about what our co-working and our co-laboring for this body of Christ looks like. And the first thing that he says right here in verse 1, the first kind of idea and principle is to address the carnal. Because the first thing we see here is this idea to address the carnal. And I started looking in the scripture, and verse 1 says, uh, it says this. It says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. The King James Version reads this way. It reads this, and I, brethren, meaning brothers in Christ, could not speak to you uh, as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ. And as I, as, as I was looking at this scripture this week and studying, I really wanted to say, instead of address the carnal, I wanted to say conquer the carnal. Because I was like, man, that sounds good. It's alliteration, conquer the carnal. But uh, as I started looking deeper in the scripture, I think that this is a huge step for you as a Christ follower. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, that addressing your carnal nature is really important. And, I, and, and the idea of a carnal Christian is there's uh, actually a lot of controversy and debate around whether you can be a carnal Christian. Because carnal literally means of the flesh, is defined as pertaining to the flesh or governed by animal instincts. I love that definition of carnal. 
governed by animal instincts. And so there's a lot of argument that you can't be a Christian and be carnal. But clearly, Paul, right here, as he's addressing the church, as he says, brethren, brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, he says that they're carnal in their Christianity. And, I, and uh, there's some, some important things to think here. Is that, first of all, the idea is that carnal is this, this defined as pertaining to the flesh or governed by animal instinct. And for me, this is one of my greatest arguments against atheism. If you ever have uh, conversations with those who are atheists, this is one of my, my greatest things that I can't understand someone who's atheist. Because if we are truly carnal beings, if we are but uh, a happenstance, if, if our existence is just by, um, just by cosmic happenstance, and that what we really are is these carnal beings, then that doesn't explain a lot because it doesn't, under, it doesn't explain how we love. It doesn't explain how we put others before ourselves. It doesn't explain compassion. It doesn't explain these things that I think are truly a gift from, gift from the Lord. And the problem isn't the idea of us being carnal Christians pertaining to our faith. The problem is, is that we're comfortable remaining carnal Christians And so I believe that one of the biggest and most important first steps if you're a Christ follower is addressing your carnal nature, realizing that you still have flesh, that when you accept Christ and God's spirit comes in you, it begins a war that's inside of you, a war between flesh and spirit. And we're much too satisfied with remaining a carnal Christian. We, We have our Christianity, but we still follow the flesh. We still follow the flesh. And Um, I want to encourage you to understand what that looks like because understanding your carnal nature helps you, helps the Lord bring you out of paths of sin, helps bring you out of things that you've struggled with um, for, for a long time. And so what we do and what I see in Christian culture a lot is we give a lot of, we give, we give a lot of credit to the devil, right? That we give a lot of credit to the enemy or the devil. We talk a lot about the devil, um, and I think that that's misguided. Uh, I, I tease Shay, there's a song that, that plays on our playlist that I do not like, uh, and it's a song, I don't know the name of it. I do know the name of it. Uh, it's it's uh, Tell the Devil No Not Today. You know that song? Is that it? Tell the Devil No Not Today. It's this whole song about like, you know, not today, devil. Like, today's not the day. I'm going to be, and it's a good song. My wife, she's like, oh, you're an idiot, you know, or whatever. I'm like, oh, I hate that song. But this idea is we give so much credit to the enemy that anytime something goes wrong in our lives, we're like, oh, the devil, I'm under attack, or this or that happens. And the truth is, is that's not true. The truth is, is a lot of times it's our carnal nature. And I think that this is a bait and switch, that we become so focused on the enemy that it gives us an excuse the things that we do wrong and for the way that we misbehave. And so, um, for example, if, if you're somebody that, that is struggling with, um, if, you, if you struggle with addiction, right, if you struggle with alcohol at any point in your life, right, and you go and you have old buddies or old people or friends that go out and they, they want to go drink wine or they want to go to a bar or whatever it is, and you go out and you go drink, you're like, oh, man, the enemy got me today. No, he didn't. You shouldn't have gone drinking with your buddies and then wonder why, oh man, I'm still struggling in sin, right? It's our carnal nature that drags us into that because the truth is if you call yourself a Christian, the enemy has no power over you. When the spirit comes inside of you, 
There's no room for the devil to work in you. Now, I'm not suggesting that the devil doesn't attack us and that he doesn't use things for us, but we give way too much credit to that. And we don't realize that what we really need to do in our own lives is address that which is carnal. Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 says this, since children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power to death. That is the devil. And man, the war has been won, that Jesus paid the blood, his blood on the cross so that we could be free of those things. It's Hebrews chapter two, verse 14. So I want you to know that a lot of times in our life, the problem isn't the devil, the problem is you, right? If you're, if you're a person that struggles with pornography, and you're someone that tries to hide that and try to, try to beat that on your own or try to, try to keep that concealed, dude, the enemy works in that. You've got to bring that thing out into the light and you've got to get help. You've got to surround yourself with people. And yes, the enemy uses those things against us. He, he, he uses our experience, our life against us. But it's looking at our carnal and looking that way we struggle with the flesh. And here's a good indicator as to, to what is it that's in you that's still carnal nature is look how you respond and look how you react to situations circumstances and situations, how you respond and how you react. It's a good indicator as to where your carnal nature is and where those areas where you struggle is, is that when something goes wrong at work, do you react out of anger or do you react out of peace? I was, I'm coaching uh, my daughter's, my fourth grade daughter's basketball team uh, this season. And it's really interesting because she's never played before. Some of the other girls have. And so there's a really big divide in where their skill level is. And the biggest indicator is how much basketball they've played is how they react, right? We've got this girl on our team that she's played basketball several years and she doesn't have to think on what to do. She doesn't have to think, oh, I should rebound or I should do this, or I should try to shoot. She just reacts. And so when there's a fast break, this girl, Keela, boom, she just reacts. And you see all the other girls, they're thinking, what should I do, what should I do? I should go and play defense, right? And it's the same, true, the same thing is true with us. It's how do we react to situations? And so the second thing that Paul says here is not only that we need to address our carnal nature and realize that our flesh and who we've been is that we're giving into that. But, but the second thing he talks about he points out here, is to know what you're eating. So not only do we need to address the carnal, but the second thing is to know what you're eating. And verse two says this, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it yet. And Paul leans heavily on this analogy of an infant. And if you've read any more of the epistles and Paul writes to his church, this analogy of comparing our, our life in Christ with that of, a, that of a baby and a growing child, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that he uses often, and he leans heavily on it here. And let me say this, infancy in Christ is not bad. If you are an infant in Christ, if you are a new believer and you are, you are walking with Christ for the first time, that is not a bad thing. That is a beautiful thing. I look at Reed and Micah that brought their baby in today. And if you've had a baby or you've been to someone's house, man, there's so much focus on this newborn infant child. And they're so precious and they're so helpless that what they need is they need a mother's milk. And that's what Paul says here. He says, when, you, he says, when I was here, when I was here before, I gave you milk and not solid food because you weren't ready for it yet. 
Reed and Micah aren't going to go out after church and, and, and try to feed Audrey mighty fine burger, right? That would be poor parenting. No, she still takes milk. She's an infant. And our, our walk with Christ and our spiritual journey is the same. Is that when we're new in Christ and we become to, come into this relationship with Jesus, that that's how we need to be cared for. And that's how that, you know, like an infant, you go there and you hold it and it's so precious and beautiful and helpless. And you put it on your shoulder and you burp it and it burps. You're like, oh, good job, right? It spits up a little bit in your shoulder. What a good girl. But at some point, the problem isn't us being infants in Christ. The problem is us remaining there. Because at some point, burping and spitting up after a meal is no longer cute. It's offensive and unacceptable right? But that's where we stay in our walks with Jesus, is we're very content to stay in this infancy stage with Jesus because it's easier, because it's easier. It's easier to be held. It's easier to have our diaper changed. It's easier for us to be fed milk rather than doing things for ourselves. And so Paul points that out. He says, I gave you milk and not solid food for you were not ready for it yet. And our problem is that we stay there. And if you, if you are feeling convicted by that, or that resonates with you, one thing I want to encourage you for is it's not completely your fault. I believe that a lot of it lies on Christian culture. You know, Josh and Catherine and I, or Josh and I were talking about this concert, or maybe it was Catherine and I were talking about this concert that she and I were supposed to go to tonight. Drew Holcomb and the neighbors, and, and there were all these people there, and there are all these Christians there, and they've got like this little Christian following, which isn't bad. I'm not knocking Christians, obviously. But we were, Catherine and I were reflecting, like, it's just, it can be strange. You can get in this Christian bubble and just surround yourself with other Christians, and we want to remain in our infancy. We want to stay there as this infant where being a Christian is easy, and we're going to surround ourselves and make it as easy as possible, and we're going to avoid anything that's outside of that. And a lot of that lies within Christian culture. And a lot of that lies within the fact that we continue to feed ourselves spiritual junk food. We feed ourselves spiritual junk food. It is easy to be a Christian on Facebook. You hear me? It is easy to follow Jesus on social media. You can post a verse. You can share a sermon. You can listen to what is essentially a, a, a word of encouragement that's wrapped up in a, with a pretty picture. And it's easy to follow Jesus on, on Facebook. And so the source of this conflict is from man and not God. Uh, in chapter 2, Paul points out a couple of things before this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He talks about this idea of, of us following man, which brings us to our next point. It's not only to know what you're eating, but also to don't follow a man. In verse four, he says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task. And the truth is, it's easier to follow a man than it is to follow Jesus. And a lot of times we're satisfied with that. We're satisfied with following whatever, whatever celebrity uh, pastor it is that we'd like to listen to and to follow that because that's easier than following Jesus. And, and for here at Vessel, I want you to know that that is part of the fabric of who we are. 
is as we planted this church, as we came in, we wanted to make sure that this wasn't about a person. Because that, that's part of the problem that they're dealing with in the church in Corinth is they're following a man and they're not following Jesus. Our, one of our core values is the value of humility. And again, I've said this before, it doesn't mean that we perfectly embody humility. It means we desire and we uphold humility. Is that we've got to realize who we are. And Paul, I encourage you to read chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. Paul does a great job of he puts his weakness on display. And he, he talks again and again. He says in, 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 verse, um, in chapter 2, verse 3, he says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. And Paul talks about his own brokenness and his own weakness almost as something that he's proud of. He's proud of his weakness. And what he's highlighting, he says, I am but a man. I'm but a broken man. Don't follow me. Don't follow Paulos. Follow Jesus Christ. And so why does Paul highlight his own weakness here? And why does he stand so firmly on it? Because it creates dependency on God. Creates dependency on God because as he talks about his own weakness, he, he highlights the power of the Lord. It says here, it says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And so what Paul does here is he points to the weakness of man and the power of God. And I want to encourage you to not follow a man, to not think that, that, that being a Christian is about finding whoever your favorite person is and following this, but it's truly about following Jesus Christ. And so um, this idea that he continues to talk about is this weakness of man. And so he says this uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 13 of chapter 1. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And so he points out that it's not him. He didn't die on the cross for anyone. It wasn't his blood that was poured out. It was his blood of Jesus Christ. And we see that all the time in church as we see people that come in and they, they come and visit. And what they want is they want to like the music and they want to like the message. That's how we evaluate church. You get in your car, you're a visitor. You say, how was the music? Oh, it was okay. It was great. I liked it. I didn't like it. The, the third song was strong. The second song, uh, not my cup of tea, Right? And then the message, how was it? Was he entertaining? Was he funny? Did he engage me? And, and I get it, right? I get all those places. You want to be somewhere that you can worship the Lord and you want to be somewhere that you're being fed and you're being encouraged to grow. But what, what happens is when we take that to the extreme, we become so dependent on these things that we become consumers, that we become consumers rather than participators. And, and, when I started all this, when I came into ministry and someone would come up to me and say, hey man, that's a, that was a great message this morning. That was really awesome. I love whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was really uncomfortable with that. I was really uncomfortable with that because I didn't know how to respond. So I'm like, I, I don't know what that, you know, it's not me, it's the Lord. And so I've, in my maturity and understanding that, I realized that it's the Lord that's speaking to us. And so we've got to understand whether you like music, whether you like the teaching or don't, it's not the person that's doing it, but it's the Lord that's working through that. And it's the spirit of God that's at work. And so the, the last thing that, that Paul points out here that's important, I think it's important, is not only to address the carnal, not only know what you're eating, uh, the encouragement to not follow a man. The last thing is Paul tells him is to get to work, get to work. In verse eight, he says, the one who plants 
and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. So I want to close with this this morning. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here um, as we finish out. But Paul talks about the, the idea, as he says, if you're following a man and you're coming to, to have a mother's milk, he says, it is not, it is not the man who waters or the man who plants that makes it grow, but it is God. But the point is, is that we are called co-workers in God's kingdom. He says, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. It doesn't, it, it doesn't say their task or their job or their role. that They'll be rewarded to the labor that they put in. And too often in Christianity and in church, we will celebrate, we will celebrate talent, but we will not celebrate effort. That we will celebrate talent, but we won't celebrate effort. If we have someone that gives a beautiful solo, we recognize that and we see that and we love that. But the person that comes and puts out the chairs on Sunday morning, that, that, that since you've been sitting here, how many people have appreciated the person that was here at 730 that set your chair out? And the truth is, is that church is work that for us to come here and us to do this and us to be a part of it is means that God is calling us to get to work. And then if you've been called here and you've been called to be home at Vessel, I want you to know this, that what God is calling you to do is calling you to be a part of what we're doing. That, this, that, that we want our church to grow and we want us to flourish and that's what God's calling us to do. But that doesn't then mean that we just sit with our hands in our pockets and stand back and just watch the plant grow, is that we participate in the work. This was a very agrarian society. They knew what gardening and what planting and what harvesting was. We do not. Does anyone have a garden at home? No one? I have a garden at home. Patty has a garden at home. I started a keyhole garden this year. If you don't know what a keyhole garden is, you should start with, talk to Patty Duhon, and she will tell you. But we start a garden at home, and it's nice, and we can plant things and hope that, it, hope that it flourishes. But if it doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if it doesn't flourish because we can go down to HEB and we can get what we need. Not only that, we can get online now, and they'll bring it to our cars. And I want you to know, church, that we are called to participate as co-laborers for the kingdom with his body. And we can't have the attitude that, hey, we're going to give what we can give. And if our garden doesn't grow, it's fine. We'll go find another garden and we'll go get it somewhere else. Because the truth is there's easier places to get this than right here. And I can give you a list of churches that you can go and you can sit there and you can be anonymous and you can consume. But what God is calling us to do and how he wants to grow our church is through us. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to move beyond the carnal, to recognize the carnal in our own life so that we can move beyond it. He wants us to no longer eat spiritual junk food and just what is easily consumed. He wants us to feed on his word every single day. He doesn't want us to follow a man or a pastor or whatever's popular or whatever is in. He wants us to be followers of Jesus Christ and that is who he's calling us to be. So let's stand. I'm going to pray and we're going to get back into worship. We thank you for listening today and pray that you are blessed by this message. 
We invite you to join with us on Sundays or connect with us at our website, vessel.church.